Are there things you're going to do different or that you try to do different now than you did as a dad? Probably be easier, Ronald. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> fair. It's your grandson. It's not your son. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another special episode here on You Think. As always, brought to you by Audiorama and our friends and Invisalign. Invisalign is the number one doctor-trusted brand, having transformed over 12 million smiles over the past 25 years. Invisalign allows you to continue to make a trusted decision to help build the confidence for your child. So you can find out more at Invisalign.com or talk to your doctor. On today's episode, I am so happy to be joined by my father, Chris Olson, for a special Father's Day edition here on You Think. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode here on You Think. And we have a very special Father's Day edition. For those of you who have watched our show, listened to our show, you know that I refer back to my time being coached by my dad, the impact he's had on my life, my two brothers, and our time playing high school football together, and of course, beyond. So we just thought it was so perfect timing to have my dad on the show for our Father's Day episode. So I am so happy to be joined today by my dad, Chris Olson. And uh, dad, welcome to You Think. This is your big moment. Thanks, Greg. Happy to be here. We, uh, I, I know you probably don't listen to as many episodes as mom, but almost every single episode, something, mostly good, somehow you are referenced in the episode, whether it's a story of you coaching us or parenting us or how our car ride home, we're going to talk about all of that. But uh, so for our listeners, this is going to be a treat. They can get they can get it right from the source. Okay, let's go. All right. So you know, as a lot of our as a lot of our listeners know, right? So obviously, you were you were our high school football coach. Um, the two, you know, Chris and Kevin and myself. Chris being the oldest, Kevin being the youngest. But take everyone back before that. You know, I know I know personally how close you were with your high school football coach. The impact he had on your life. The impact you know he had as you carried on to not only your coaching career but just the way you operated. You know, just give us a little sense of that that relationship. Why was that relationship so important to you as a young kid? Well, the relationship I had with my high school coach is probably what put me where I am today, wherever that is. I mean, I had no intention of going to college. I was actually working for the road department after I graduated high school. And he called me up one day and he said, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm not doing anything, coach. He goes, okay, you're going to college. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm sending you to Nebraska. You're going out there. A friend of mine just got a job out there. He's looking for players, and I'm sending you out there. I said, okay. I put everything I had in the bag, jumped on a plane a couple days later, and went out to Fremont, Nebraska, and um, it changed my whole life. You know, I was able to graduate from there with a degree in phys ed and then come back and start teaching. And, and right away, got into coaching immediately, like 1970, I want to say 1974, I was back there coaching. And um, the best decision I ever made, I talked to him quite often, probably once every month. And I was up to New Jersey not long ago. I made a special effort to go visit with him. He's now 85 years old. He still looks like he's pretty tough. And uh, but my high school coach was it was everything to me. Yeah, so to tell, give us a little sense of your high school sports experience, right? So much of what we talk about here is the youth sports experience. And we're going to talk about what ours was together. But how much did your youth's football experience, not only your relationship with your coach, but just what it was like playing for your high school, playing growing up, and you know, Uncle Walt, your brothers, your sisters. Like, what was the entire experience like for you, and how did it shape you as you talk about moving on to being a you know a coach and going off to college and whatnot? Well, in high school, I played hockey and and, and football, obviously. And um, football is really the sport that 
probably kept me on the right track and got me going in the right direction because I think there was something special about those coaches. Um, and it was just something I wanted to do. And I, like I said, I had no intention of going on to school, but I wanted to play football. So I figured, okay, this is, I can do both. And it just turned out to be such a great, great situation. Our family was a little different. Um, my brother was also right behind me, about a, a year behind me. And he actually came out to school the following year and stayed there for four years and married a girl from out there and never came back home and became a very successful high school coach out there. So, uh, you know, you never know, you know, everybody says, oh, the lives you've affected as a coach. There's such a tree, the lives I affected, how my coach affected me, how his coach probably affected him. And it just goes on and on and on. It kind of never stops. Yeah. One of my favorite stories, you mentioned playing hockey. One of my favorite stories that you used to tell us is, as a kid is when you were growing up, your dad would, would, or one of the dads in the neighborhood would have the hose out all night and he would freeze over. You guys would get up in the morning from oh, sunup yeah. to sundown and play. I mean, so much now of sports is such, or, you know, it's so organized. You're playing for teams. But I, that always, I always thought that was such, that Those was such the best a good days. St- I, lived at, um, I lived in a community where there was a lake. I didn't live on a lake. It was called Lake Telemark. And the, the, the fathers would, would get out there at night, chop a hole in the ice, flood it, um, let it freeze overnight. And we'd be out there from, from dawn to dusk, or dark, every night, just playing, 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 playing. And that's how we got better. We didn't have arenas. We didn't go to arenas. You know, we didn't get a lot of coaching. I did when I got to high school. But when we were young, we just played on the lake every day. Yeah. And, and what was it about, you know, you said that football kept you on the right track. Like, what was it about football? We, we talk a lot about, we've talked to different coaches from basketball, men's and women's basketball and baseball and you know, gymnastics, we've covered a lot, but, you know, we're all biased. There's something unique about football. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I don't want to say I'm biased. I like to think I'm right, but. Um, <laughs> he says think, that a lot. I think, I think football is a special game played by special kids. Um, it, it's just different. I think the guys that coach it are a little different, and that's sometimes good and bad. And it just attracts a different kid. And, and I think the kids, and everybody says, oh, it's changing. No, the game's not changing. The kids that play football are still the kids that play football. If it was easy, there'd be 200 kids out instead of 75, you know. Yeah, and, and before you got to Wayne Hill, so again, so we'll back up. So you, you come back from, from uh, Midland Lutheran. You mentioned you went out to Fremont, Nebraska. You played there. You come home. You start coaching. You, you start coaching at St. Cecilia High School. It's your first ever head coaching head job. Head coaching job. Before that, you were an assistant at Passaic High School, which was a for people familiar with North Jersey, it's a powerhouse public school. It you was. Were an assistant it, was coach. Yep. it was. You were an assistant coach there. Tom Elsasser, long-term friend of yours, legendary New Jersey coach. You get your first shot to be a head coach at St. Cecilia High School. But you also share a very interesting, another famous coach who also is the head coach of St. Cecilia High School. Right. Right. I, when I applied for that job, I didn't know if I was going to get it or not. And, it, and the, you know, the priests are interviewing you and everything. And Jack's father, Tim, who had a lot to do with when Vince was hired, too. And um, Vince, Lombardi. Vince Lombardi. That's the story. Started, he was the head coach at, at St. Cecilia High School in Englewood as well. But um, so, so, so there was a lot of, tra- obviously, there was some tradition there. And, and it was just awesome. The, you know, the Green Bay Packers would always send us stuff, plaques and sayings and different things to hand out to the kids, you know, and, and it was a good place to start. Yeah. What, what, what was your biggest lesson you learned from being, from taking over, from being an assistant? Again, at a great school. To now, you get your first crack. You're in your 20s, your early 20s, mid 20s. I was the youngest head coach in the state that time. I think I was 24. So they, what do you think they saw in 25. you to take a shot at you to give a 25 year old kid? I don't know, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll never forget. I went on 
I went after the interview, I got a phone call from Father Tim. And he said to me, he said to me, Chris, I really liked you. You did a really great job in the interview. I love, you know, I'd love for you to have the job. I'm just, I'm just, it's something I don't know. You, you don't have any experience, meaning a head coach. And I said, that's true. I said, but just keep one thing in mind. If experience meant everything, we would never put a man on the moon either. Here you go. And uh, I wound up getting the job and the rest, you know, kind of just fell into place a little bit. That's a good line. I've never heard that one before. You've been yeah. saving that? No, it's... All right, so you move on from St. Cecilia High School and you go to Bergenfield, a bigger school, big public school. You win your first state championship there. You also lose a couple heartbreaking state championships yep. there. Take us through now this evolution of your coaching philosophy. What has changed? What have you learned? Like, what can our listeners who are coaches out there at the early of their career, like, what is that growth pattern as you start chasing those bigger jobs and you start building that culture the way you want to see these teams be run? I think when you take a head job, I don't, I don't, I really don't know if there's anything, such a thing as being ready for it. I think it's being ready for the challenge is one thing, but being ready to be a head coach, I think you sometimes just have to hold your nose and jump in the deep end and, and survive a little bit. You know, you look back, you make mistakes, things you should have done different. Um, I'm not talking X's and O's, just program oriented type things, what things that you should have done different, handled different. Um, but all that comes, you know, with, with time. And so what I, I tell guys all the time is, you know, be patient. You know, it's not going to be easy. You know, you're going to you're going to make mistakes. That's 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 fine. Don't worry. You know, don't get too wrapped up in the X's and O's. Worry about more more about the kids and the program, and because your program will carry you further than players will carry you. Because your players are going to leave you every year. You know, but if you build a good program and you're solid, I think that makes a big difference. What, a story that I'll never forget, and and I don't remember exactly the context, but we we had a tough game, or we made a bad play, or we lost a close, whatever it was, and you talked about you were playing in a state championship at Bergenfield and your best player runs 319, which was a, a play that we still ran when you coached us. And he's going in for the game winning touchdown and he drops the ball and it bounces out. Going they for the two point conversion. To win, the, to win a state championship. We had scored. To, to, we had scored now. We're behind by one. Yeah. We, you know, we're going to go for two. We got Dean Babaco, went to East Carolina, was a really good player. And uh, he's just running. He was untouched. I mean, untouched going into the end zone. He's just running. And as he arm comes forward, the ball falls out. Everybody thought he was trying to do something silly. He really, he was not. The ball just fell out, went out of bounds, and we lost by one. And the middle linebacker who chased him out of bounds was Greg Schiano from Rutgers University. The, the reason I bring up that story is so much what we talk about on this show, and we hear it from different athletes, we hear it from different parents and coaches, is setbacks and failure and dealing with adversity. So you're the coach, you bring kids into the locker room after that game, he's heartbroken, the team's heartbroken. Like, what is the message? How do you wrap your mind in that moment? You're sick, you're heartbroken, you feel terrible for the kid, you feel terrible for yourself, everyone. Like, what is the message to those 17, 18-year-old kids in that moment that our listeners can, like, pull from and say, all right, here's how you handle the toughest of times? I think those are, I, I, I always said... And I always, and I always kind of did it in my head. I used to do it on paper when I was a young head coach. You, you better know what you're going to say to the press after the game, if you win it or you lose it. Uh, sometimes there's times not to say anything, which was would have been that one. A tough time. You just get your, you know, don't be with the press. Be with your kids that that are you know uncontrollably sobbing at the time. You know, get them out of the public eye. Get them in the locker room and let them know what we all mean to each other. How hard we've all worked together. And how, what a great ride it was. And, you know, the fact that we 
um, don't want to say it came up short, but the fact that we lost the game is not a big deal. There'll be other games, and uh, we got you know we got to keep you know you got to keep that in perspective. That the kid that you know we wouldn't be here without without you guys that made these plays during the year. So we can't you know we, we're here because of you. We didn't lose because of you. We're here because of you. Yeah, and I think that's such a valuable lesson, and, and we're going to get to it, but we shared our fair share of, of heartbreaking moments together at Wayne Hills, and, and we're going to sure. get there in a second. But before you get to Wayne Hills, between Bergenfield and Wayne Hills, you go to Eastside High School, Patterson, New Jersey. You're hired by a legendary principal, Joe Clark. That he was portrayed by Morgan Freeman and yep. Lean on Me. Your character was kind of loosely portrayed in there, but you spent two seasons at, at Eastside? Yep. And, and before Joe Clark let you go. But I know the impact Joe Clark on had on you, but like, what did that experience at Eastside? It was a very different type of school, inner city school, you know, chain in the doors, fire marshals being locked out, Joe Clark being thrown in jail. I mean, it was a, a different world. Like, what was that experience? What did you take from, from that experience, those two years at Eastside with Joe Clark, with those kids that you were able to continue to move forward and carry? Yeah, um, being at Eastside certainly different it was it was was not when i look back on it it was something i'm glad i I had an opportunity to do working for joe was was again was different but i we i really enjoyed it i i would talk to him you know maybe a little bit once a year maybe twice a year he was he actually moved down to florida had a small horse farm and as was recently last year passed away but uh, i'm still in contact with those kids you know those were kids that didn't didn't um, a lot of those kids didn't have much um, and we were able to give them, give them a little bit, something, send some kids to college, um, things of that nature. You know, the one kid, Vaughn McCoy, got, he, my first year there, got him, a, you know, we, I didn't get him. He got himself a scholarship to Rutgers, uh, played for Dick Anderson, played very well, became the assistant, um, attorney general in the state of New Jersey. Um, texted me the other night about something. Um, actually sent me a picture of a program the first year I came there with his picture on it and my picture on it. Yeah. You, you know, showed the yeah, kids. Things like that. So I, I still hear from those kids quite a bit. Still hear from, you know, Antonio Figueroa, who was my quarterback there, who had a really rough, rough situation, is now a real successful businessman. So I, I enjoyed those times. I, those, those were good, great kids. My favorite stories now. So when you're coaching there, you, know, you don't have kids yet. You're early on. And, and I hear and I remember you and mom telling us that after after practice, after all those kids would come back to your house and you'd have to like at some point kick them out, right? Yeah. And the thing I would always say about playing for you, and of course I was your kid, but it didn't matter if it was at Wayne Hills, Eastside, you know, kids from different backgrounds, kids from different home, home lives, they all gravitated towards you and looked at you, whether they had a dad at home or not, they still looked at you as that dad. Like how much did that impact, aside from the football part, like mean to you? Well, I think that's, that's huge. I mean, that, that's, you know, when we get right down to it, that's, you know, that's what it's all about. We're going to win games along the way. But, you know, you can win games and not develop those relationships, too. It, it, those things were special to me. Um, kids reach out to me all the time. You know, Coach, thanks for this. Thanks for that. I couldn't have made it without you. And um, it's not what I did. It's just the fact that you give them time and you, and, you, and, you, and you believe in them a little bit and you push them. And you push them a little bit. You push them harder than they thought they could push themselves as well because sometimes they're not getting that at home. And um, th- those were some really great days to look back on and reflect. Yeah. All right. So your next stop after Eastside, Joe Clark lets you go and you get offered the job at Wayne Hills High School and you call a bunch of your college buddies. Um, you mentioned Dick Anderson. Um, 
you know, just guys that are on the college scene and you say, hey, what do you guys know about this job at Wayne Hills? And they tell you that it's known for what? It's known for geese shit. No, and, yeah, they, they told they, me. That, you, you said it was known. It's known because it has a lot of geese shit on the field. Right. They told me not to take the job. They've never won there. And um, they don't recruit that school. You know, it's going to be difficult to win there. But me and mom went to a baseball game one Saturday up there. Just took, took a ride up to look at the school, and there happened to be a baseball game going on. So I got out of the car, and I watched the baseball game. There were some, there some good-looking kids running around. I've actually stopped the kid. His name was Bobby Daly. I, I know him now as Bobby Daly. He became my quarterback. I don't know who he was the day I stopped him. I just said, hey, how'd the game go? And he told me, bum, bum. And I said, well, hey, how, what's, well, how are you guys doing football here? He said, not very good, but we got some good players. I said, okay. You know, and that was it. So I looked into the job a little more, um, met with the athletic director. I said, okay, maybe I'll go there for a couple of years and I'll move on. I you know, stayed there 25 years and retired. And you coached all three of us. And I got a chance to coach all three of my own kids, which was certainly the highlight of my coaching career. Yeah. So, all right. So you take over that program in 1985, but 1986 was your first season, right? So I was just born in I 85. So. so in essence, my entire life right. revolved around Wayne Rose. Right. So you take over that program. We don't live in Wayne. We don't, we, we're living out of town in Clifton at the time, right? Yes. We move into Wayne. We move, we in, move into the wrong side of town. We, well, we, yeah, we move into the Wayne Valley side of town. So for those who don't know at home, our, our, our town was split in half. And if you lived on one side of the road, you went to Wayne Hills. And if you lived on the other side of town, we went to Wayne Valley. But as you said, you never thought you were going to be there long enough that when we were babies, that right. one day we'd have never to decide on me. that we'd eventually go to high school there. No. So you build this program up. We are your water boys. We're your ball boys. And we're watching you build this culture. So I want to talk to you about program building. I want to talk to you about what you value, not X's and O's, not scheme. The elements that I've carried with me the longest from just watching you grow programs, watching you coach, was always everything else. It was the commitment. It was how hard to push keep people. You mentioned it before. You push them harder than they're willing to push yourself. I've described your coaching style on this show a thousand times. I want to hear your words of how you describe, if I drop my kid off to play for Chris Olson. What should he expect? Well, one thing I always told the parents, I said, you know, we're not going to treat every kid in every situation the same, but we will treat every kid fair. And I think that's the big thing. I think if, they don't, if kids know you're being fair with them and you're doing what's in the best interest of not just them, but the entire program, and, um, you know, they'll buy into it. And my, my other thing was always kids are easy. Get the parents to buy into what you're doing. You know, to sit down in a room full of parents and say, hey, we're going to start working out Tuesday night after, Labor, after Memorial Day, and we're going to do it five nights a week, and you can't miss. You know, you got the, the parents have to make a commitment. And, and sometimes, sometimes I think today that's where the difference might lie. I said, you, you know, because the kids will always do what you want to do. you got to get the parents to buy into this is the best thing for my son or daughter, if you're coaching a girls team, to, to be the best – to have the best opportunity that they can get. But I always pride ourselves in all the little things, you know, the, the camaraderie, you know, eating together, going to summer camp together, um, hurting together, laughing together. And like I said, you're going to win your share of games along the way. But it's all the other things. Now, there's a lot of teams that don't win their share of games along the way, and then you wonder what's wrong. The kids aren't that different. I was told we didn't, you know, we'd never win a game up there, you know. But um, kids are kids for the most part. Um, unless you're just in tremendously over your head, you just got to pull everything else together and forget 
the X's and O's and who's, who's a good call player and who's tricking this guy. Be sound. Don't make too many mistakes and get the kids to really buy into what you're doing. That's the key. And then most importantly, get the parents to buy into what you're doing. Well, that, that's been a big thing that we've talked about here. So go deeper. Like, what were some of the ways? I mean, I remember what you were doing, but like, how did you, what were some of those ways that you would get the parental buy-in? How did you get parents to buy into not only how you were going to coach their kid, how you were going to push their kid, hold them accountable, discipline them, love them, everything in between? Like, what were those things that you found to be the most useful? Well, I would explain to the parents, you know, that... Again, going back, football's not an easy game. It's a hard game. We're going to practice hard. We're going to work hard. We're going to put a lot of time in. Sometimes you're going to look at us and say, wow, what's going on? Why are they there so long? But that, that's what it's going to take to win, um, to win enough games to stay there and continue to coach them. I think what you got to do is convince them, convince them that you're always going to have the best interest of their child in your mind. You know, you're always going to do, you're not going to put them in a bad situation you're going to coach them the best you can. It might not be the position the parent thinks the kids should play or anything, but you're going to put them in a situation where they have the best chance to be successful because generally speaking, if kids feel, feel and experience some success, they're happy. And if kids are happy, <laughs> parents become happy. Yeah. One, one of the things that I remember, I, I always use this as an example. When people ask me, like, what was it about your dad's program that no matter where he went, he won? And no matter where he went, he was able to sustain the winning. And one, of, and you talk about the parents. One of the things that always sticks out in my mind is during the year on, I think it was Tuesday nights, you do parent film night. Yep. So for to just give a quick background, so at in 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 school, dad on Tuesday nights and had a classroom across from his office, and it was an open invitation from ninth through twelfth graders. Even if your kid didn't play, your yeah. kid could have been on JV, freshman. You were welcome to come. He would turn on the projector at the time. They were projectors. And all the parents could come sit in the classroom and you would go through the previous Friday night's film right. game, you know, game on film. And you would point out the good, the bad. Here's what he's being coached to do. Here's when he does it right. Here's why he's doing it wrong. Playtime, whatever. And the rule was, if you want to know why your kid is getting more or less opportunities, more or less playing time, whatever it is, come to the film time. I will give it to you and show you on film. You might not like the answer, but I will show you clearly what's happening and there was no mystery. There was no, nothing done. So like, who gave you that idea? Like, wh where did you learn that? Is that something you just That's came up with? That's a good question. I, I, I didn't do it with, obviously, Tom. He was the only guy I worked under. I don't know. It's just something I thought we would do. You know, we had some townspeople come in, come cops stop in and watch the films. It was Thursday night. So generally, we get off the field fairly early on a Thursday. Okay. And, uh, and the rule was, I'm the only one that speaks. There's no, you, you know, you can't ask any questions, but I will point out things. You know, I'd stop it, play it back, put the laser beam on it. If this kid, not only, and I don't, that's it, I don't mention names either. I say, if John would have done this, it says, okay, now if this kid would have done this, just a little bit more, if he would have stepped here, or if he would have done this, and then all of a sudden parents are looking. They know who we were, they know who we're putting the laser on. And uh, but I thought it was a good, it became a very healthy thing for us. I mean, it got, it got real big. We kind of outgrew the classroom. People brought food. Um, I looked forward to it too, and I, I know the parents did. Yeah, I remember as a young kid, mom would drop us off on those nights, I guess it was, you know, Thursday yeah, night or whatever night, night it was. Mom would drop us off and we'd sit in the back and we'd watch the game film yeah. and, and we would come in and spend a lot of time with you guys. But I always just thought that communication, setting expectations and being very transparent allowed you to operate for so long with very minimal conflict. Right. Both with families, I'm saying. I could, count, I could count on less than, less than one hand. 
time I had to, you know, I don't want to use the word confront, but have a debate with a parent. You know, because we, we kind of, I think that's what if I was going to tell young coaches one thing right now, I would tell them, you know, from the very beginning, you, the parents know that you're in, that you're in charge and, you know, you're going to do what you think is best for the team. Um, you know, everybody can't play the same position. You're going to do, do the best you can. But you have, to, you have to speak up early and let the, people, the parents know the expectations. And you got to tell them that, you know, you, I need to tell our parents, I will talk, you, you can, you're never to approach me about playing time or position. If you want to, you want to make an appointment and meet with me about your kid's grades, his behavior, something happened outside of school, that's what I'm here for. I said, don't tell me you want to meet about what position your son is playing or not playing or how much time he might be playing because that's not debatable. That's not discussable. That, that just doesn't happen. And um, I think if you're up front with people right away, um, you know, they will accept it. And, and, they, and then, you know, you, you can quell a lot of fires before they arise. Yeah, and, and when I think about building culture and I think about building team and programs and whatnot, what you're able to do, that's one. And then the other, the other big one that comes to mind that I just think was such a special element of your program was the night before father-son beefsteak. That was great. The night before Thanksgiving. Yep. So the night before Thanksgiving, we would go down on Wednesday after school. We'd hold our practice on the game field, and then we'd come up, and the, all the players would shower and get changed, and all the current players – and either a, a father or a grandfather, an uncle, a, whoever it was. Right. And then the best part about it was all the alumni, the alumni would come back. And what started as something very small eventually outgrew the school cafeteria. Grew, grew over 400 people, yeah. And the night before Thanksgiving, you'd have players that you would coach in the mid, the late 18, 1980s, yep. all the way up till a freshman, a 15-year-old kid who's just got his first year in the program. And every former player would get up and talk. Yep. And their message was always the same. And I think it was so important for the young kids to hear. I remember being the little kid in there thinking one day, like, am I ever going to be the alumni, the alumnus who comes back? And their message had nothing to do with how many games they won. It had nothing to do with how many yards they caught or threw for. It was always about being a part of the team and being a part of with their buddies and the coaches and just the family environment that they grew. Like, what did that night mean to you to see 400 people come back kids that you hadn't coached in 25 years who made it a point to the night before Thanksgiving to be in that cafeteria to speak about how much your program meant to them. That, that particular evening was, was something I looked forward to so much each year. It was the highlight of our year, the, the father-son beefsteak. It, it was, it, you know, the kids would come back. You haven't seen them. Now they're men and, you know, they're working and they're married and they're this and, you know, just unreal. You know, now kids that have played for me have kids going to West Point and all over the country. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe. But um, that father-son beefsteak, they still run it. That father-son beefsteak means a lot to the program. And those are the things, again, those are the type of things you have to do in a program. And I'd do it if I, if I coached swimming. I'd do it the same way. i just have less kids. But I'd do the same thing. And I, I think coaching is coaching a lot. You know, and the other good thing we did was halfway through the season, we had the mother-son brunch. Yep. Where the where would just be the son and the mother, and if the mother wasn't in the in the picture, your grandmother, your aunt, whoever's with you, but we'd have the mother son brunch, and uh, each boy would get up and present his mom with roses or some type of flowers we had, and then speak about how much his mother means to him. You know, really had nothing to do with football, and and they still do that as well. I think those are the things. That's that that's that's where you build your program. Th those type of things. Um, you know, the football field's the football field. Yeah. All right, so now, now I want to get into, you know, really the meat of the discussion, which is 
when it became clear that you were going to send Chris and I, and then 10 years later, Kevin, that we were going to come to Wayne Hills, you made the decision, you and mom made the decision that we were going to attend Wayne Hills and we were going to play for you. Right. I, I always tell people when they ask me in interviews growing up, like, what team did you follow? What, who were your favorite athletes? I always say, like, and the truth was, I always wanted to be James Milan and AJ Spicer and like whoever your senior right. running back was and your captains. Like, those were the kids we loved growing up. We were the ball boys, the water boys. Then when we were starting to get later in middle school, it was like clear that we were going to play for you one day. And I, I think back to that and just, you know, the amount of memories. What was the anticipation or did you did you spend some time thinking about like, okay, coaching my kid in Pop Warner, assisting basketball? You know, you were always around. But when we got to high school, it was really the first time we played football for you exclusively. Right. Like, what was that anticipation? The good? What were the concerns about coaching your own kids at that level? Like, can you think back to those days when Chris was getting ready to enter freshman year? I can. You know, mom and I talked about it a lot, you know, what, what it was going to be like. Um, don't forget we had to move to do it. So, uh, Oh, that's a good part of the story, though. That's a good so part as I said in the early on, we moved, dad moved to the wrong side of town when right. he took the job. Not thinking 20 no. years later, 15, eight, 18 years later, we'd be moving, you know, playing for you. But we had to petition the Board of Education if they can give us a special exemption. They said, no, you sold your house. We moved to the other side of the road, bought a new house that's when right. Chris was in eighth grade, that's right. which would put us in the district to go play for you. So I think yep. that's a big, that shows the level of commitment yeah. we made. That's right. We spent our whole lives in that house. That's right. That, and was, then we our, moved. that was our dream house. And we asked the board, you know, if I could, because other teachers have done it. They weren't athletes and they weren't, you know, whatever. And they said, no, they didn't think it would be fair. I said, okay. I said, but we have this. I've decided that I'm going to coach my kids. I have two choices. I'm going to coach them or I'm going to quit coaching Wayne Hill so I can watch them. One or the other. So we said, you know what? We'll just sell our house. So we sold our house, moved across, the, moved down across the street. And uh, now you're in the Wayne Hills school, uh, Wayne Hills sending district. And everything was good. Yeah. All right. So go back to now. So the anticipation, Chris is about to be a freshman. You and mom are talking about, you know, the good. What's gonna, it's going to be amazing coaching my kids. But then also there was a lot of hesitancy, right? There was a lot yeah. of reservation about what that experience was going to be like. How are the other families going to respond right. to it, react to it? I, I think the big thing is um, early on in that decision, I said to myself and, and I told and mom, you know, there's going to be times it's not going to be easy. People are going to, you know. He's the, he's the quarterback because of this, or he's this because of this. So I think the fact that the three of you were very good made it a lot easier. Then I said, okay, if I do make a mistake, if I make a mistake, I'm going to err on the side of probably being a little bit harder on you than I am the other kids. A little bit? I think that was probably the biggest thing. You know, those, they could never say, God, he never yells at his kid. But man, you know, his kid can make a mistake and doesn't say anything. Our kid makes a mistake and, you know, and the world falls apart. So I think those two things. And then, but I looked forward to it. I knew I could handle it. And I knew how good all three of you guys were. I think if you were average to below average players, I don't know, then I think you got to really look at it. You know, you got, you know, not that I would play you over. I would have played you if you weren't the best player. But I think, I think that could cause some different problems as well. Yep. But uh, I think our, with the three of you, it was so clear cut, you know, it was, it might not be for everybody's situation, but for our situation, it fit us, it fit us exactly yeah. what we needed. And, and so much of the, the parent slash coach role, everyone always talks about, like, where is that line? And, and I would say, if we're being honest, our line 
there really wasn't a really clear line. Like when we came home, football continued. Oh, yeah. You know, especially as we started getting older and we were deep into seasons. I mean, football really never stopped. You know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, when we got to the kitchen table, we didn't talk football. That, that, wasn't, that, wasn't, our li- that wasn't our life. I mean, football was very important to us. And what, what we did at practice, if it was right, wrong, or indifferent, it came home. Like, when you think back to that, like, did you ever try to draw a line? Did you ever think about don't bring practice home, don't bring – because I remember as a kid growing up, it never bothered me. But, like, do you ever think back on it now and say, like, there should have been a divide between when I was coach and when I was dad? No, I don't think so at all because I, I remember Sunday nights where I used to bring those kids over to the house on yeah. Sunday night and show the films yep. to get a jump start on Monday. Um, no, I, I, you know, kids were always in the house. You guys were always around them. And you just, you know, became, became part of it so easy. I, I just think it, it was a very natural thing to do. Yep. And, and I would say one thing, the, the parents, if you have a chance, if you have a chance and, and, and you're capable of coaching your son or daughter, I think, I think it's one of the best things you can do. Yeah, and I think back, and I, and I know if you ask Chris and Kevin, they would say the same things. Like, when I think back of my sports experiences, not wins and losses, but just experiences, some of the first ones I think about were in high school. Some of my favorite moments were in high school, and some of the experiences were great, and some of the experiences were really bad, right? So you talk about dealing with adversity. So we're at Wayne Hills. You have, you have not won another state championship since Bergenfield. Chris makes it. Freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, you guys lose every time. Two of those years were my years. My sophomore and junior year, when we were overlapped, we lost in the state finals. Yep. Finally, our senior, my senior year, we win that first state championship. And the reason I bring it up is it's easy to talk culture and it's easy to talk program building when you win a lot. And we won a lot. But we struggled in the beginning to eventually get over the hump. How did you maintain building the program without finally putting that final feather in your cap at Wayne Hills? Like, how did you not lose that momentum when, everyone, when the narrative was, oh, they win a lot of games, but they just can't get over the hump at the end? You're right. We lost, and I tell guys down here this when I talk to them, we lost seven, seven, state, seven straight state championship games. Yep. Seven. I played in two of them. And then we won our first, and then we won five more, and then missed and won a few more, but we won a bunch. You know, we went from you know, then we went from mid two thousand five through two thousand nine without losing a football game. You know, for the second longest streak in the in the in the United States. The thing I was most proud of, and I tell people this all the time, not the fact that we won nine state championships and did all these other things. We played in the state champion. This is this is program now. We played in the state championship game. 16 out of my last 18 years that I was there. Not the playoffs. We knew we were going to the playoffs. Playoffs then it was, it was to get to the medal ends to play in the, in the state championship. We did that 16 times. Yep. Out of the last 18 years I was there. So there's how your program can carry you. And you know, going back to our earlier discussion, there's how your program. But you just gotta say, hey, we're here, we're here, we're here. It's gonna keep we're gonna keep playing. We 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 get we get here, we get a bad break. You know, a couple of those games we're losing with. You know, we won nine, but when you look at it, there was probably another three, maybe four, but three for sure we should have won. Would have put us at 12. You know, we're winning the game. With, we win a couple of those games with four minutes to go. You know, you, gotta, you, know, you, can't, you, can't, fall, you can't lose it at that point. Yep. You know, but getting back there, getting back there, getting back there. You know, our, our thing was that, okay, we want to be playing in December. If we're playing in December, we're in good shape. 
We ain't got a good chance. You know, he's got a good chance. He's the other guy and a heck of a lot better chance than the guys that aren't there. We won a lot. That's for sure. So, but go back now to the, to the role as also being dad. Like, obviously you pushed all of your guys, all of your kids who play for you to this day will say, he pushed us to limits we never thought we could achieve. I've been very clear with that on this. Like, I never would have gotten to the NFL, to the college. Like, it's not a coincidence that all three of us played in college football. I was able to have a good career in the NFL. Like, all of those lessons came from you. It came from high school. It came from our upbringing. But it was hard. And I remember, the fir- I remember sitting there, one of the first things I ever heard, something that lasted with me the rest of my life, is you would say, no one said it's going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. So it's going to be worth it. And that was like the mantra of your program. And I think back to those days, it was hard. It was demanding. It was challenging. It was hard, and we were good players. Yep. And it was really hard for the kids who were – they were doing all the same hard work, and they right. weren't really playing much. Right. So, like, what was it about – like, where did that – is that just where how you've always been wired? Was that how you were coached? Like, how did you come every single day – and never waver. Because I think if the greatest compliment I could give you was win, loss, June, July, or December state championship, every single day that you were a part of it was full speed. Yep. Was full throttle. And that's hard. Yeah. That discipline and routine is very difficult. Like, where did that come from? And you know, and you coach, you know, I coached for 40 years. Now you you know you read an article. Oh, this Johnny Jones is retiring after four years. He's burnt out. Burnt out. Haven't even started yet. I mean, you know, it's 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 hard. You just kind of if you know if you want to get into coaching, you know, if 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 coaching is not something you have to do, and I would tell guys this when I hired them, if you don't have to coach, don't do it. Go ten bar or something. You'll make a lot of money. All right. If for me it was something I had to do, and I was going to do it right. Um, I was going to do it my way, whether it was right. You know. Things I thought were, you know, thought were right. I was gonna, you know, try to do it that way, and I knew, I knew it had to be hard. You know, there had to be some type of okay. Now, you know, I don't think it can be a lot of fun coming to football practice every day, and it's obviously not. But you know, the fun comes Friday nights when the stadium is packed and the lights go on, and and, and you're playing in front of you know thousands of people, and 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 now you go on in life. Uh, there's kids now at Wayne Hills playing that fathers played for me now that are on the team now. Um, it's just something, you know, if you, again, but it all goes back to the program. I didn't know any more football than anybody else, probably less than most, you know, so it's not that you knew more football. It's not that you called better plays. It's not always that you had better players. Your program will carry you a hell of a lot farther than the X's and O's and, and, and the things you think are important. Yeah. What do you attribute to, I mean, you had a lot of really good players in your, in your day. And at Wayne Hills, you had multiple guys, dozen, few dozen guys go on to play college. But you had three boys that all went and played major college football, two quarterbacks and me, which I don't know how I got screwed in this whole thing. But obviously, Chris and Kevin both being major national recruits, we went through that. Like, what do you attribute that to? Their mother. Nice answer, Dad. Yeah, mother. That's going to be know, But great. that goes back to what I said a few moments ago. You know, I, know, I, knew, the fact, I knew that you guys were good. I, I mean, I, I've coached long enough. I know, you know, see, I can still say, you know, when I can see a kid if he's what I think he's bad on. And I knew you guys were going to be good. I knew we'd push you to make you even better. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's luck. because It's not luck. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of days, you know, people don't understand 
or you know, summertime that, that you and Chris would be at the track in, this, in the morning with me, not the whole team, and would be working out, and you know, and things like that. So you know, we pushed you a little hard, hard. I know that, we, you know, but I, I think remember what I said if I was going to make a mistake, I would make it on the side of being too hard. Did you ever think we weren't going to make it? No. Nope. Never doubt. At never what age did you think that we were good enough to go play? Like play, like not only big time high school football, but college. I forget the pro stuff. But our right. goal growing up was to that, play high school right. football and maybe one day go play at some level. I in knew by the time you guys were sophomores, for sure. Because you all had scholarship offers, I think, as sophomores. Yeah. I, I, I knew by that time that, hey, okay, we got something here. You know, I got to keep pushing, got to keep pushing, you know, got to get bigger, got to do this, got to do this. So, uh, yeah, I, it was easy. It's, you know, it's, it's not hard to pick out a good athlete, male or female, at an early age. And all of a sudden you're a freshman or sophomore in high school and you see what they're doing, whether it's on the field or on the court. You, you can pinpoint those guys, those people pretty quick. You can pinpoint the physical nature. How do you identify if they have the mental makeup? It's not easy, right? Like dad, at some point, dad can only drag you to the field so many times. You, I've said this before, you were hard on us, but you never made us do anything we didn't want to do. No. Kevin, Chris, and I, we never minded going to practice. We never minded, you never had to drag us to go do a workout. You were, now, it was hard as hell, and, and probably in the back of our mind, we weren't thrilled, but you never had to beg us. How do you evaluate whether a kid, your kid or someone else's kid, they might have the physical makeup. How do you determine if they have the mental makeup to do things that in order to get to high levels, you got to do things a lot of other people are unwilling to do? Right. You got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's what I always tell them. You got to be comfortable when you're uncomfortable. And, and that's it. And guess what? I've had kids with talent that I thought were going to be really good high school players that never made it past the freshman or sophomore year. Um, and I'll run into them from time to time back in Jersey, and they'll say, "Coach, I wish I would have. I wish I never would have left the program. I should have stayed with you." And they always use the word "program." They don't say "team." Coach, I never, I never should have left the program like I did. I didn't know what I was thinking about. You know, what the biggest mistake in my life, things of that nature. And I'm sure there's some kids that left that feel, you know, they feel good about it. But um, I think if you make it hard, if you make, like you said, there's a lot of kids that are doing the same thing you're doing that aren't playing and getting the accolades that you guys got. And those are the kids I really respect. Yeah, they're there every day. In fact, the wife, his name, the, who was it that stood up at the, one, the last beefsteak I was there and said, "Hey, I was just a small part of something big, but it's changed my life." I think that those are the comments I like to hear. Yeah, it's easy when you know you're going to yep. get a Division One scholarship yep. to work hard. Yeah, but he being, I'm a, I'm a small part of something big that stayed with me a long time. Yeah. Did you ever think we didn't love it? Did you ever think that so much of the parent, so many of the parents and the coaches that we talk to here on you think that the balance they're trying to find is when is it the kid's dream and when is it the kid's path and when is it the parent's path? Yeah. Did you ever fear that we were trying to just make you happy? I did not. No, not at all. I did not, but I know what you're talking about. No, I never, I never ever felt like that. I knew, I knew you guys, I knew you guys loved it. I knew you guys liked playing. You could see it in your face. You could see it in your eyes. You could see it the way you talked to your teammates. If we were down or things weren't going, you know, things weren't going well on the field, um, not at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and the reason I just, I'm, I think it's so important because I've talked about that a lot in our interviews. And you'll I, know if your kid doesn't like it, and I don't know what, what you'll see, but you're going to see it. Yeah. I don't know what, because I, I never had, not, I've experienced it with other kids, 
you know, they're giving you the effort, but it's not quite there. You can see it in their face. You know, I, I've had to, I've had to over the course of, of, of years pull a kid in and say, hey, Johnny, you're not liking it anymore, are you? No, I'm not, coach. I said, that's all right. It's not for everybody. I said, it's not for everybody. It takes, you know, yep. but you can see it in their face. And, and some of them are pro you know, probably going to be good, decent players. Yep. But if you're not into it, if you're it's not too much into work. it, it's too much work. It's too much commitment. It's too much commitment if it's not something that you look forward to every day, 365 days a year. Well, and, and now fast forward. Now here I am. And a big part of me starting this show is, right, I grew up with you and Chris and Kevin, and this was our life, and this was our world, and we were able to take it a really long way. And now it's come full circle. I'm raising three kids. Yep. You're actively involved in coaching them. You help, you know, me and you coach Tate's basketball team. We've coached the boys' baseball teams. We go cheer on Talbot. Flag we football. We, flag football. We cheer on Talbot. Everything yep. she does is great. We just yell from the sideline. We just yell, good job to Talbot as she runs around chasing the ball. Are there things that you see now as a grandpa? You're almost starting this whole cycle over again. We're going to coach Tate and tackle football this fall. Yep. Are there things you're going to do different or that you try to do different now than you did as a dad? Probably be easier on him. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's your grandson. It's not your son. Yeah, that's fair. Now, not too easy, though. But, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, he's a, he's a young kid. Tate in particular, you know, he's going to have to look up. You know, he's living with the, you know, with you. Not in your shadow, but he's living as, you know, you as his father. And people expect things. And, again, he's, you know, he's 10 or 11. And uh, so, you know, we're gonna take, we'll take it easy with him, but I certainly look forward to it. But it's, it's going to be a lot like coaching you guys. And I can look at him and see that he's going to be a pretty good player. And we got to push him a little bit to make sure he gets to be the player he can be. Yeah. And I, I think this, this whole tackle football experience this fall is going to be interesting for, yeah. for all of us. But, you know, I, I find myself, as we close here, like I, I find myself – and I think it's it's cool to be able to tell you, I've told you this before, but tell you as part of the show, like so much of how I do things as a dad, as a coach, as a dad slash coach in my career, as a player, like it all started when we were young. The lessons that we were taught, the harder it is, the more it was worthwhile, like the ability to show up every single day and just fight and to grind and to build that competitive spirit. Like that was all stuff yeah. that you taught us when we were six years old, sleeping on the dorm room floor Penn in Mansfield State. or Penn State. And that coach or, came up to you the other day, yeah. remember? Sunday night, yeah. that coach said, hey, I remember we'd you. go run around and put the flyers up. Because you really weren't supposed to be there. So you used to sleep on the floor in your sleep bag between me and Franny. And then we'd sneak into the uh, lunch line. And then we'd go practice with high school yeah, kids right. from the time we were six, seven years old. That right. was summer vacation to yep. us. So, like, I think back on those times, and I want to recreate so much of that for my kids. My biggest fear is I, just because I loved it, I don't want to just assume they are going to love it. Right? And that's always the balance and the fear as the parent is it was so good for me and it was so worthwhile for me. But that doesn't mean it's going to be equally as worthwhile and fulfilling True. if it's not what they want. And that's my biggest fear. Yep. But again, I think, like I said, I think you'll, as a parent, you'll know. And again, what's going to be the indicator? I'm not sure. But you'll know when your kid just doesn't really enjoy it, doesn't really want to do it. Something's going to come on. Something's going to alert you that, hey, I, I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it at this level. I just, you know. I don't want to take it quite so serious. You know, maybe they don't want to practice every day. Maybe it's just twice a week. You know, so you find things maybe they could do at that point, but nothing wrong with that. 
It's not for, it's, you know, my thing, it's not for everybody. Yep. But uh, I don't think we have that situation. Well, they, all the kids are different, and we'll, and we'll see <laughs> as they play. I mean, they're they're young, and we'll see how it develops. A little bit of a change of a little bit of a change of direction. This will be the last thing. Uh, just because you have such experience in this world, a lot of what we talk about here on You Think is now connected to this new landscape, right? This new NIL, the new recruiting, right. how these young kids that are being identified at such a young age, and not only are they being recruited to go to play at schools, there's now the business element to it. We never had to go through that. We never had coaches no. sitting in our in our family room, you know, Tyrone Willingham sitting in the basketball gyms and Bobby Bowden and all these coaches that came to recruit us. We never spoke about money. No. We never spoke about NIL or any of that. Like, put yourself in the shoes now. If you were raising kids in today's world, like you were 20 years ago with us, how would you have handled these coaches no longer talking about education, opportunity, ability to play and develop? They're only selling you on endorsement on yeah. opportunity, money. How would you have handled that? I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question. I mean, if it's the norm in the landscape and it's going to come into play, I don't think it should be the – first of all, I think eventually it's going to be the death, death of college sports. I really do. I think it's going to hurt it bad. But it's, it's there now, so you got to deal with it. I, I don't know, you know, if you turn it down – I don't think that's, I don't, again, I don't see that's why you go to a certain school. You know, I used to always tell you guys, if you go to that school and you break your leg on day one, are you going to be happy staying there and you never play football again? If you say, I don't know, then you didn't, you picked the wrong school. You know, it's, it certainly made it harder on kids, but I think it's really, really going to hurt, hurt the game um, more than help it. Yeah, okay, so maybe your quarterback, he's driving that fancy car now because this dealer gave it to him, he's, and it's in the paper, it's online, he's getting X amount of dollars. What about the poor tackle who's getting zero? He, I'm supposed to be out there and bust my chops for you every day? Or the center, who nobody knows who his name is? Uh, I'm gonna, supposed to bust my chops out there every day for you? You know, I don't know. I, I, I think it's got to create some animosity among players. Um, I don't like it. It's, it's certainly part of the landscape right now, but I don't I don't like it, and, and I'm, I don't I don't know how we would have handled it. As far as I know, it wouldn't have been hey, who can pay me the most money to go to your school? You know, it wouldn't have been that. But um, I think it's a mistake. Yeah. As we close, when you think back to all the stuff that we were able to do together, you know, not only you know personally, but just especially through sports, me, Chris, Kevin, what? What are the memories that you remember the most? Hmm. I think of all of you walking, walking off the field after a game, um, particularly a, 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 hard, a hard game to lose. I could, you know, walking off with all three of you when both of us were in tears, or three of us when you were playing with Chris over, the, over a game or a championship we had just lost. I think about those things when I think about the games we've won. Yeah. Those were those were hard. Yep. And I remember I knew the first couple of days, it was always the same routine. We could have played the best game of our lives. We were going to come home and there was something else we could have done. I do this now to my own kids. And then like two hours later, it was going to be like, you guys were awesome. Yep. You guys played your ass off. And I know we lost, but yep. you guys were awesome. But there was going to be that little in between where it was like, yeah. You should have made this play. Well, you didn't catch enough balls. I would have like 10 catches, but I needed 15. To win. I, I always tell that story that a couple of years ago, we got done playing Tampa Bay, 
and I had nine for 180 on Monday Night Football. Yeah. And the first question you asked me when I walked into the lobby of the stadium after the game was what happened on the third down ball I missed on the sideline. <laughs> if there's one story that sums up my life, right. that's this guy right here. But I wouldn't trade it for the Those world. Those are the things that, and you, you know. Everything, that relentlessness, that commitment, that grind, the same stuff I try to implement in my kids, I learned from him, the best coach I've ever had, the best dad, and to be able to do this together on Father's Day is awesome. This is. And uh, next time, we're going to do one with Chris and Kevin. Oh, boy. And then we're going to get a lot of the stories. Oh so this is just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, boy. Watch out. But, Dad, I appreciate you doing oh, this. Oh, it was great. I think it, people are going to love hearing directly from you because they've heard me relay a lot of your stories through right. the show. So I appreciate Good, you coming. I, I love doing it. And this was awesome. Thank you. Till next time. All right, so, Dad, so we're going to ask a few audience questions. Typically, I answer them. But for today, we're going to send them in your direction and see what you think. So Joanne asked, how did you prepare me for the inevitable failures or setbacks that are bound to happen through life, not only in sports, but beyond? Well, I, I think those are the things that can really shape a young person or anybody, how they deal, how they deal with the adversity. You know, it, 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 do you have a tendency to go into a shell and, and, and give up and, and, and get down in the dumps and, 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 and beat yourself up? Or are you that type of kid or, or person in life that can come back the next day and say, hey, you know, I can do this. Maybe you lost your job last week. What are you going to do? Go unemployed for the rest of your life? No, get off the chair and get out there and let's find another job. You know, let, let, you know everything's, life is not fair. You know, life is not fair. Not, you know, there's going to be a lot of things. And losing a football game or a basketball game, if that's the worst thing that, and I've said this many times, if this is the worst thing that happens to you in your life, you're going to lead a pretty good life. But guess what? It's not going to be the only thing that happens. You know, um, when Greg was a junior, his, his mom got cancer. What are you going to, I mean, you know, it, it, it was, we were all worried. But, what, you know, you have, to keep, you have to keep going. You know, he had a son that was born with, you know, with a heart problem. What, what are you going to do? Oh, sulk about it? I mean, we all felt bad, but let's go, guys. we got to come up with an answer. That could be in anything we do. And I do believe sports, and particularly football, can help a kid in that direction. All right, Dad. So our next question from Lynn. What is one teaching moment that you look back on with me that you wish you handled differently? Oh, boy, good question. A, a, a situation I handled that I regret and wish we did have done it another way. Oh boy! I, I when you threw my trophy out the window, is that no? One? It doesn't bother me. <laughs> um, oh, that is a really hard question, and I wish I could come up with a definitive answer on that. I really do. I, I really can't think of a lot of things that I said that that that, that we've done um, that I said, God, I shouldn't have done that, or or if I had to do it again today, I would not do it. I. I, I I really mean that. And that's just trying to, I'm not trying to get away from answering the question. I'll answer it. I just, I, I can't come up with something right now. I'd have to, what's a really serious thought to that. All right. So the next question is for both of us, dad. So I'll go first. What is the best piece of advice that you give to your kids? And I think the biggest thing I try to implement to the three kids, Tate, TJ, and Talbot, is Nothing's ever going to always go your way. Nothing's always going to be easy. Nothing is really going to go as planned. And if you can't learn to bounce back and you can't learn to respond and move forward in a positive manner, 
life's going to be really hard for you. And I think that's something that we, I know in our house, we try to really teach that every single day. And it could be something as similar as striking out, or it could be getting a bad test or maybe making, doing something wrong and getting in trouble in school or, you know, being held accountable for something at home, whatever it is like, yes, we're going to correct it. We're going to be hard on you. We're going to hold you accountable, but then we've got to move forward. We've got to be able to put this behind us and move forward because life doesn't stop. It's going to continue to go. We need to continue to find a way to press forward, learn from our mistakes, put them behind us and forge a new path. So I think that's the biggest thing we stress on our kids every day is that just daily pursuit. You're never going to be perfect, but that's that daily pursuit of let's be better than the previous day. Let's learn from our mistakes and let's continue to move forward. How about you? I, I think, you know, I, I could reiterate a lot of those same things. Obviously, I, I, we, got, we had a pretty good idea where Greg got those from. But I think that's the big thing. Being, being able to bounce back. Being able to bounce back. And, and, you know, be the guy in the mirror sometimes. Can you look in the mirror? As, as, can you look in the mirror and say you actually did your best today? Can you, can you really do that? And when they, if they would say yes, fine. And, you know, there would be times I say, no, I really I could have played harder. But then, then you, then you got to learn from that. You got to learn from those things. Don't, you know, a mistake is a mistake. But when you start doing it a couple times, it's not a mistake anymore. It's a habit. So I think the, the, the best advice I gave our kids, my kids growing up, not just in sports. The sports was pretty easy. I, I, the advice in sports didn't come hard. But it's all about life and things happening around them and choices they make and, you know, growing up being a kid you know it's it's not e it's not easy we know that so you know I, I think being honest with yourself being a good kid um those are the, that's probably the best advice i've given them all right so the question is do fathers with kids in sports today have it easier or harder than in the in, in previous years i'm gonna say they have it harder i think the challenge is just again raising a kid in today's world versus thinking back to just 30 years ago when I was coming up in youth sports, there's a lot more decisions to be made. I remember when we were kids, there was no decision. You played with your town in whatever sport, whatever season it was. You played one sport a season. You played for the same organization for the most part. You played with the same kids. And then when that season was over, it rolled into the next. And we did that all the way till high school. In high school, you went to whatever school your address sent you to. And this, in our case, we moved to, to go play for you. And that was it. There was no decisions. There was no picking a team. There was no, there was none of that. So I think now raising the kids and we see it with, with ours is every day is a new decision. What teams to play for, what teams to try out for, what schedule to hold, how many tournaments to play, how long should the season be? Like there's so many more decisions that parents are forced with. And I think that was a big inspiration for us starting you think was to go out and try to answer some of those questions. So I would say it's more challenging today. I think there's more distractions. I think there's more expectations on kids. I think there's more pressure to, to succeed at one particular sport at an earlier age. I never specialized in a sport until college. I mean, I was going, right. I had right. signed my letter of intent to go play high school, to go play college football yep. and still played high school basketball and track and field. Field, yep. Those days have really come to an end. So I, I would say that it's harder today than it is back when I was growing up. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the kids are being pulled in a lot of different directions. Um, play here, play here. And, you know, oh, you know, 
what, what, what high school you're going to go to. I don't know. Go to the high school, that, you know, where I live. I don't, you know, I think now they have a lot more decisions. I'm not necessarily calling them opportunities. I think there's a lot more decisions that parents have to make. Um, you know, well, they're never going to be good enough if they don't concentrate. You know, the basketball coach doesn't want them to play football. Um, the baseball coach doesn't want them to play basketball. You, you can name it. I, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think, you know, I think people that tell kids that at this age are being selfish. They're only looking out for their own individual sport or team. Um, I think, you know, a good athlete should play multiple sports if he or she decide, if, he, if he or she really likes it. But I don't think there's even a, a debate on on having a kid involved in athletics today is much harder than it was. I'm not talking the physical part of it. It was harder playing football for me. Yes. Back, you know, all coaches back 15, 10 years ago than it is now. I can guarantee you that. But it's all the other things that that's making it harder harder for kids to do decisions they have to make. And then, of course, you know, they go home at night and they hear about it on social media, this and that, this and that. And it's, that's another thing they got to deal with, you know. And, and when it comes to sports, you know, teammates saying things, other schools saying things, coaches contacting you, you know, things of that nature. There's a lot going on. It's definitely harder. I would say one thing. If I was a father right now with the three boys I had, it would be extremely difficult to sit on top of all the recruiting at this time. How do you feel about me getting the Fox job? Are you proud of me? I really am. But, but guess what? If he didn't get the job, I'm still proud of him. Does it make me more proud of him? No. Am I more proud of him than, he, than I was last year when he was doing Fox? No. Or the year before when he wasn't doing any? No. Am I happy for him and his family? Yes, I am. I'm happy Greg likes that. He really, he really sees himself doing that. He's good at it. And, um, but I'm not, I'm not any more proud of him because he got that job. You know, it, 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 you know, he may look at it different ways, but to me, he's still my son that's worked extremely hard. And, he's, you know, to be a great father, a great dad, and a great son, and, and, and then a teammate when he played. And those are the things I'm proud of. I'm glad he got the job, but to answer them, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not more proud. All right, well, thank you guys again. Dad, again, for you to, to agree to do this special oh, this Father's Day episode um, here on You Think. It's been a long time coming. We talk about you pretty much every single episode, the things you've taught me the lessons I've taken from being around you, both as your son, but also being, you know, someone you coached for pretty much my whole life. Um, it, it's, you've had the biggest impact on my life as anybody. And uh, so I appreciate you guys listening and following along. As always, rate, review, subscribe, find us wherever you get your podcasts and um, continue to send us your fan questions. We love hearing from all of you. And until next week on You Think, we appreciate it and we'll see you then.